I watched the Fire Festival documentaries. We can talk about that now. You know, actually, we might want to do, we can talk about it a little bit here, but I was thinking maybe it's extra content for our patrons yeah. on Patreon. Okay, that's good. Yeah, right? Totally. Like, Absolutely. But oh my God. Holy shit. I watched both of them back to back. Yeah, that's how you do it. I did one and then I found out that, see, I watched one. And Which then one did you watch first? I watched the Netflix one okay. first. And then I think I was on Hulu and I saw there was one, but I just assumed it was the same one and both right, were, right. had the content. And then I went to go teach, was it Rebecca? I think it was I think it might have been Becca who was like who was like, Oh no, they're two different ones. Go home now and watch the oh other one. Oh my god. So I did. Yes. Um I had a wonderful Saturday night, but I think we should save that for our patrons. You know, and it'd just be like a 10, 15 minute kind of discussion. Like, like, you know, I put our notorious sassy lady spin on it. (laughs) But maybe we should get started. Let's get started. Um, So I think our last week's episode did really well. Our uh, culmination, our uh, Hannah Hawk. Yeah. Um, (sighs) Hawk, Hawk. And our combination of Coretta Scott King. Yeah. Uh, so, yay. Thank you for listening, guys. Thank you. And, um, we love doing it. Yes, we love doing it. And I just want to get a shout out to, uh, now I can't remember her name because I buried um, the message that she sent us. But um, but we still our, appreciate it. Yes. And we're sorry we buried it. Uh, but one of our gonna blame uh, Lavetta. Yeah, totally blame me. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm running around <laughs> like a crazy lady. But don't blame Lavetta, you guys. She's doing so much. She's working so hard. Uh, you can blame me. I'll yeah, take it. No, no, no. But you know, she brought up something because I posted on uh, in one of the groups that we belong to on Facebook. Yes. Uh, the episode, uh, just in general, and then she she talked about the uh, the. Um, uh, uh, Yoko Ono episode. Oh, and, I need to get on. And I think I misunderstood I her because I thought she was saying like I thought she was criticizing us in a way that wasn't. But no, she was kind of criti- she was criticizing Yoko. But I misunderstood it. But then when I what I uh, responded back at first was that you know sometimes your opinion might change about a subject a little bit after you cover them, right? Yeah, def- like, yeah def- definitely. You know, like, but we are as honest to our true feelings at as the, we are at, at the, the moment. moment. Yeah. Because after that episode aired, and it's still one of my favorites, um, I didn't realize that quote, that the quote that uh, women are the N-words of the world or something like that. She said that, yeah. And... Recently, um, um, what's her name? Uh, Bed Midler said that on Twitter and people went after her, including like, you know, because you're like, so what are you yeah. saying? Black women aren't women? Like, that's literally, black women are I mean, both in society. It's, it's got a lot of, the sentence, the statement has a lot it's of It's very problems. problematic. Yeah. But apparently she, that's from Yoko Ono. Yoko Ono said that back in maybe the 70s or Did something. Did you mention that? No, I didn't see okay, that in I my... Like, I don't um, remember that, but it's... No, I don't remember a No, lot I definitely would have addressed it. I feel like that would have been like... Yeah. Oh, 10 minutes. Yeah. And that's something... I could see someone who's not American-born and not familiar with the way racial dynamics work, especially somebody who's from Japan, because yeah. Japan is not racially homogenous, even though people like to think it is, but it's not. It Actually, they have a very problematic past with their Korean population. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I don't very think about those things because I'm very American. Um, but but, but okay. we, in the West, because we're like... 
uh, because you, of our ignorance, you we don't. You're all right. Japanese, right? Yeah, but the Japanese myth is that is a homogenized society, mm-hmm. pretty much, and it's not. And but th- that's a whole other thing, right? So, uh, and I can speak on this because that was my major in, in college. Yeah, no, I'm giving um, I'm giving this to you. <laughs> so when I heard that that statement, I was like, that does sound like somebody who's not who's trying to be provocative and to her point, what she's saying, but she doesn't really understand the nuances of intersectionality of Mm -hmm. femalehood and race uh, identity. So black women are both black and women. And so, yep. I think intersectionality, but I don't, I also don't think that that's a a concept that people understood in the seventies. I'm assuming this is like the sixties or the seventies when she said it. Yeah. Even the the eighties, like it, yeah. I, I, I mean, honestly, up until probably 2005, mm-hmm, yeah. you look at some movies from back then. You're no, like, it's, not, no, it's not, not okay. It is not okay. But, but it was like, okay. Cause you were used to it. Yeah. And then you were just like, oh, that's what movies do. And then suddenly there was sort of an awakening yeah. a little bit. I think that like, that's not okay. And it also doesn't take away from the fact that I do admire Yoko Ono in a lot of ways. Um, but it, it's a great example of you should not speak on something you do not completely understand. Right. Um, right. That's this is actually... why I stay out of uh, Middle East, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. I stay out of it. I mean, I'll We be, have our opinions I'll as be for Americans. Real. I have, I'm allowed to have a, yes. a small opinion. <laughs> yes. It's often not the most popular. And I have my personal but, opinions, but I'm not going to be out like I'm a. I know what I'm talking about because I don't understand the nuances. I, honestly, like I understand like a bit more than you, but yeah. I also not quite as much because I'm American. Right. I'm Jewish and I have Israeli family, yeah. but I'm American. Yeah. And so I think. Yeah, there are things I could speak to yeah. that people who aren't Jewish maybe maybe could question and think about. And, yeah, and, and we don't feel and, comfortable. And analyze. And then honestly. with that, take take an opinion. Yeah. We, we I mean, we have our American way of seeing it, but there's nuances uh, that I wouldn't understand as a person who's not of Jewish descent uh, or have right. family in the Middle East. Um, it doesn't mean I don't have my own opinion, well, but it's, it's also I would there, not. There are things that I understand and still disagree with. Right. But I totally understand. But I and would not speak on that. Then there's my, my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, I completely me. understand. But what I'm saying to you is, mm. as a black person from America, uh, I am not going to be on the world stage speaking <laughs> to that in a way because I don't really yeah. understand all the nuances of it. And that's what I mean about Yoko Ono saying that. I mean, that's very problematic. And um, if I had heard that back then, I'd be like, fuck you. But that doesn't mean that I don't still admire a lot of her qualities. Again, we said on that very episode, yeah, she's if I had walked in... yeah. And she was in my robe in my house. Oh no! Bye. Her uh-huh. and John uh, would have had a lot of mm-hmm. uh, uh, blood loss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John would have had a couple appendages uh, yeah, removed. Just not on his body uh, anymore. But but it doesn't mean. But I just wanted to speak on that because yeah. uh, it was so interesting. And this happened maybe about uh, a month ago. And and I cannot. I, I will remember her name, but she was so great, and she was saying how much she loved the podcast. So I wanted to encourage you guys to keep enjoying it. Thank you. And I love, love, love that kind of feedback because yeah. we get to talk about. I was stuff gonna like say this. I actually really, really appreciate the response and the conversation because I say that all the time. If I'm wrong, email me. If I'm wrong, talk to me on Facebook. If you disagree or if you agree, because I think. Part of our goal with this podcast is to have a conversation. Yes. Make this part of the normal conversation. Yes. 
um, make this part of the zeitgeist of the world of, of analyzing and talking about women and, and what maybe was kind of thought of as okay and why was it thought of as okay and and let's look at that time and see where we went wrong to allow that comment to kind of go without without comment yeah and right? it's also a good point to mention because I, I you know we both listen to a lot of podcasts we also listen to our own mm. uh but you know i'm bad about like, it because my own voice freaks me out i get jealous when she listens to other podcasts um, <laughs> so <laughs> i love us the most um yes of course but like i i think it's so great because it's it's not perfect but our opinions, we try to make this entertaining and fun and informative, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but it's also an excuse to just talk about ladies, all kinds of ladies, right? Yeah. We love women. Uh, some of them are horrible. Um, yeah, really horrible. So, you know, you're like, <laughs> really God really damn it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I was trying to tell someone about our podcast and I've known him a while. I've, I teach him Pilates and he was like, wait, you do what? And he was like, oh, and then he was, tell- I'm not going to say who it is because I'm going to probably talk about it. I'm definitely going to talk about Please. it. And then he's like, well, I don't know if this person is good because she, you know, she's cra- she crazy, right? And she I was cray, like, cray. no, I was getting real excited about a crazy woman because the I was at the point is it's every woman. We you know, do I love a crazy everything, woman, girl. You're gonna love. Her. I love a crazy she's woman. She's mine, but you're gonna. I'm gonna love telling you about her. Oh, I can't wait. But I will find uh, that listeners. Um, a response because I, I I thought it was just so good and she was so great. She was the, like, "Oh no no no!" She's like, "No, I agree with you." I was just saying about that whole like yeah, walking was, in on her in my bathrobe because she was something. It was something like really Yoko or something or like really. It was like really, and I thought she was <laughs> anyway. But we just love that kind of you know thing because these women aren't perfect because that's what it means to be human. Yep, it's you know. True. So uh, so yeah, let's get started. Wait, I think I, this week can I talk about something totally unrelated? Oh, okay, yeah. What's up? Sometimes I, I I use this podcast event about things, and I had this was this came up, and I was like, oh, I want to talk to Lavetta about this because I think this is really interesting. Okay, so we were talking about casting and the miscasting and the racially insensitive casting that we keep doing over and over and over again. You mean like uh, Emma Stone being half Hawaiian, uh huh, or quarter Hawaiian? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> One twelve, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, Everything's yeah. it's yeah. not though, um, right? And so apparently, I think we were having a conversation. They said that the new West Side Story is already problematic, and oh, it's casting it? now. I have no idea. I am not speaking about that. You can tell me I'm wrong or right. I have no idea. It was someone else hearsay, super hearsay. Um, and then someone said, you know. Rachel Brosnahan from the the marvelous Mrs. Yeah. Maisel is not Jewish, and she said, "And that's terrible. They really? should have cast a Jew." And my initial response, as like a hundred percent Ashkenazi Jew, I couldn't be more Jewish. I will never do twenty three and me because I know the answer. <laughs> like the waste of money. I am super Eastern European Jew. Got it done. <laughs> so that that said. I'm totally fine that Rachel Brosnahan has this role and is doing beautifully. And I was thinking about it. And the reason is that I don't want you to pinhole me and that I can only play Jewish people. Because a black person can only play a black person. Yeah. An Asian... But we can't Asian, play Caribbean as a you whole know, Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe someone... Because different kinds of black people. Maybe someone can. Right, that's true. But that said, like, that that I think is okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I read white. 
Right, right. I right. I read a little Irish. That's true. You do. <laughs> you I do. do. I went to Ireland and everyone was like, you're from the homeland. <laughs> and I was like, Jewish. Super Jewish. Oh my God, that's but thank so you because I love it here. You know what I mean? And I would love, I, I remember look, plays, there's so many plays that take place in Ireland. And I was right. like, yes, that I could sink my teeth into. So I think <laughs> just like we talk about it a lot, but I think sometimes you can go too far. Mm-hmm. You have to cast in a way that supports, that supports the, that supports yeah. the story being told. Yeah. I mean, Cher played an Italian lady in one of my favorite movies no, like, all the time. And like, oh, Stark, I love it so much. Because Italians could play Jews. Yeah, yeah, which you know they I mean? often do. They often do. There's like a famous uh, guy who plays a lot of Italian people, but he's Jewish. I can't, I can't think of the actor. Because when I found that out, but, I was like, yeah, oh, okay. We, I'll say this, we love it. Like yeah, the Jewish, Jewish people. So uh, my big fat Greek wedding came uh-huh. out. I love that movie. My poor husband was not married to me yet. Uh I laughed hysterically the whole time and he's next to me and he doesn't laugh once because he's watching his future unfold on the screen. (laughs) And he knows it. He's not going anywhere. Does your father use Windex for everything? (laughs) No, but but he might as well. You know what I mean? And there's like, you know, the Jews were the first to blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that, That whole like... And, and then I remember talking to my mom about it, and we're both like, oh, my God, that was the best movie. I love that movie. And one of the things we loved was that Lainey Kazan played the mother. And oh, Lainey Kazan right. is so Jewish. She and I are probably cousins, right? But yeah. she played this Greek woman. And we were like, because she's Jewish, she nailed it. Why? Because we like to claim that Jews are, you know, it's the same same, same yeah. Greek way. But we were good with it. Yeah. We were loving it. And yeah. I think that, like... I think that while we're calling out on things that need to be called out, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. dumb down the things yeah. that are important. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let's, not, let's not cast a super white person to be the lead shark yeah, in West and also, Side Story. I mean, I, again, I can't speak to this necessarily, but like, would you have a problem if they had cast, like, I don't know, maybe somebody with like dyed blonde, blonde, blonde hair who looks like a, was it? A shiksa? A shiksa? Like, who looked like a shiksa? I am so proud. I I, I try, I try. You are. Uh, Are you kidding me? I love Yiddish sayings. It's my favorite. The rhythm is so great. I love it. She's such a mess. Um, I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, But would that have been a problem? A Um, Would that have been a problem if she... If she had very blonde hair, and yeah, didn't yeah, Jewish. like no, because there are blonde Jews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's. But why. the dark haired Jewish girls need some love, is they, what I'm saying. Yeah, they need some love. They do, they, they need I some mean, love. Girls speak it, but yeah. you know. <laughs> they need some love in in media. You know, yeah. because technically, and technically honestly, like Gwyneth Paltrow is not Jewish because her mother's not Jewish, her father's well, Jewish. Well, yeah, technically, yeah. there is a picture of me that I found and like in the pool with my kids. And I look, and I'll show you the picture when we're done. I look for a, I looked for a second, like Rachel Brosnahan, yeah. which is, and I was like, I'm beautiful because I love her. I think sure, I think her performance is perfect. I yeah. have no. Well, you problem. know what? That's the litmus test. Yeah. If she could fool you, it's like when I hear Black British people with American accents, like, <laughs> like, like. Idris Elba fooled us all. Yeah. Like, or the guy used to be on Oz back in the day. I'd be like, he's not American? Like, he totally fooled me. Because then there, there's some British people who do American accents, and you're like, that is awful. Oh, American God, accent. it's like terrible. But it's like when they fool us, or those Australians yeah. who do American accents, you're like, I thought that guy was American. Like, exactly. Like, right? if you can fool me, if you can totally embrace it. But, like, 
Okay, I know we're going on too long about this, but Miss Saigon, yeah, Jonathan yeah. Well, Price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just... I was young and foolish, and yeah. I didn't understand it, but I also completely believed he was an American character. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it just translated to he was American, he moved there, he was yeah. stuck there, and that's how the story was told, and that's not the story at all. Right. So, yeah, no, you can't do that. That's right. not the story. He's... Also, a product of that culture, of that world, and he ended up there. And that that matters. So if you can pass so, to the people that you are portraying, then that's sort then of like we the can, litmus you, test. Yeah, or that, like, let's not go too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am not being pigeonholed. I, you know, you're dead. De- like, I'm pigeonholed into playing a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, pigeonholed yeah, into yeah. playing someone short. <laughs> um, actually, no, I played a lot of young boys on stage. <laughs> like, a lot. Like, six. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's it's weird. <laughs> One day I'll show my children pictures of me dressed as a little boy and they will freak out. Yeah, that, that will freak them out. But no, that's that's a good point. So food for thought. You yeah, know? food so, for thought. Oh, I think sure. this week, I'm first this okay. week. And I want to get into uh, my lady. This week, my notorious woman. I've been meaning to do her for a while. And I'm, I was very excited when I landed. Um, okay. Is Hattie McDaniel. You know who Hattie McDaniel is? <gasps> who yes. doesn't know who Hattie McDaniel is? A lot of people may not, so. Okay. Hattie McDaniel. I mean, I don't know all about her. Yeah, we don't know that much about yeah. her. Even though she's, yeah. So Hattie McDaniel was born on uh, June 10th, 1893 or 1895. It's, it's because kinda, she was black, see? Yeah, so I think women in general back down. then, I, I think the uh, records were uh, a little weird back then for yeah. everyone. So um, unless you were like a really famous person or something uh, or wealthy. Uh, so right. she was born on June 10th, 1893 or 1895 in Wichita, Kansas. The youngest of 13 children. What? 13 children. So you have to have 13 kids before you get a Hattie McDaniel? Like, can you imagine Girl, these the women, children I'm not having? I, I don't understand these I don't understand. Not one UTI? Wow. I don't know. 13 children and a family of performers. Can't. No. No. <laughs> Her father. That's literally impossible. I, know. I say no to that because that's. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you don't have access to birth control. Right. Um, now, her father, Henry McDaniel, in addition to being a former slave and Civil War vet. Wow. Yeah. Was a Baptist minister, a carpenter, a banjo player, and a minstrel showman, eventually organizing his own family into a minstrel troupe. Well, you might as well. So, yeah, Henry's like, look at him. We got <laughs> to do something to feed these damn kids. Okay. This is called tap dancing. Uh, and yeah. this is called a song. He Learn was like it. the Joe Jackson. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, Henry. Smile! I think, by all accounts, Henry was a pretty. Uh, stand-up dude so because he didn't have any joe jackson That's reporting tendencies very so, good you know um and then uh so that well, was her I think father 13 kids that could have taken him down so, yeah you know. um her mother susan holbert also a former slave was a gospel singer when she met henry okay uh, now in 1900 or 1901 when hattie was about seven the family moved to colorado living first in fort collins and then in denver okay so these are like out west yeah. like you never hear about black people i love hearing stories about black people out west yeah I just think i'm like oh. I, I love when i see movies and there's like yeah. the one black guy you're like are you okay but i think there were a lot more so, yeah i think yeah. Yeah, well, uh because they're like the difference between how we depict it and what actually happened well, yeah, obviously that um and so yeah, so they moved to Denver, Colorado. 
Hattie was on, uh, one of only two black children in her elementary school uh, class in Denver. So racial prejudice was less hostile, wasn't completely gone, but less hostile in the West than elsewhere in the U.S. I think because there weren't that many people there. Right. Um, it was just like, what are we going to spend yeah. all our energy on these two children? Yeah. Um, so because of her talents as a singer and a reciter of poetry, she became something of a favorite at the oh. 24th uh, Street Elementary School, where mainly white students attended. Okay. Um, now, she sang at church, at school, and at home. She sang so much that her mother reportedly bribed her into silence. <laughs> spare change I, I, I probably sang about as much when I was a child she, yeah I was this annoying child too so yeah. um, now before long she was also singing professionally in minstrel shows as well as dancing performing uh, humorous skits and later writing her own songs good now, minstrel shows, we've mentioned these on here. Minstrel uh, blackface performing, basically, a.k.a., because that's in the news. Uh, Virginia is trying to steal yeah. Florida's um, a status as the craziest state I mean, in the union. It's definitely a battle right now. Uh, but we're not going down without a fight, Florida. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know Florida's going to fight Florida's going to be like, mm, hold my beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Florida's like, let's let me get back. my one skate and my racist yeah. aunt and... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I gotta um, get drunk first, but you know I'm already there. Because so. Florida man is a real thing. Um, so she, so blackface, so minstrel shows is basically blackface started with Northern whites, a brief thing. Um, Northern whites came down to a plant and visited a plantation, like they were performing one summer or whatever, and they 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 observed slaves on a plantation okay. and went back up north yeah. and started playing black people uh-huh. in and. And it was so huge. Yeah. It became almost like a, a, a large part of the entertainment industry. It traveled around the world. Yeah. That is why you still have blackface imagery in mm-hmm. other parts of the world. Also still not good. And they made a lot, a lot of money. So, And it dominated the entertainment industry so much so that black performers at a certain point had to also perform in blackface. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. Uh-huh. So, um... That is what's wrong with blackface. Yeah. And I hate when people are like, well, black people had to do it too or did it too. It's like, yeah, they had mm-hmm. to because if you were a performer, because keep in mind, black people didn't have a lot of choices for uh, earning income back then. For anything. Either be a sharecropper after the uh, end right. of the Civil War, which, which is basically slavery. Which ba- sucks balls, Yeah, by it's the just way. It's basically slavery. You want to um, do that? Go do that for like 12 minutes and yeah. see how you like it. Yeah. Uh, domestic work, if you could get it. Uh, and if you were lucky enough to have skills... You know, then you could maybe open up your own business, which a lot of people did, yeah. or in entertainment. You know, you and I would be next to each other. Yeah. Putting that shit on our Yeah, faces. that's right. Yeah. Same thing with the Yiddish theater. So, yeah. Um, so, like, so that's, so her family, her father started a minstrel troupe basically. Like so, you, you can't blame the people that were doing it then. These people you are making the best. blame the shit out of yeah. people doing it now. Oh, well, yeah. Like, that's... I mean, to compare, nope. There's so much. Well, ra- there were so many blackface pictures in that guy's yeah. yearbook. And then I think I, in the eighties, one of the arguments was it wasn't me. And then he's like, "But I'm sorry, I did it." But it's so like I'm like, "Well, well." He said, "No, I didn't do blackface that time. I did another." It's like, uh, how many times have you done blackface? You, just, you can't remember. Are you just in the eighties? Yeah, that's so we knew the that. 1980s. We definitely knew. Like, I think people are like, "Well, they didn't know." No, we did. This we is why they don't that. want black people around because they can't pull that bullshit. Well, right. I mean, maybe Clarence Thomas was around. Yeah, I said it. Um, because he might be like, ha ha ha, laughing 
laughing as loud as anybody that else. That was very funny. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, I, I will get to him one day. But uh, so yeah, so her father had his own minstrel uh, um, uh, troupe. Now, black performers also usually what we call the Chitlin Circuit. Uh, as ladies, up, I think people even still refer to it to it today as a Chitlin Circuit, where you went to and performed for mostly black audiences. So occasionally they would have a blackface performer, but for black audiences, black people, we, we just needed you to show up and be good. Like, yeah. you, you better tap the hell out of that dance or like, <laughs> make us laugh. It's like truly the Apollo. Like black audiences are tough. Uh, so... Um, so that's, so that's what she grew up in. Now, when in 1910, so she was about 17, 15 or 17, she left school in her, so maybe 15, she left school in her sophomore year at East Denver High School and became a full-time minstrel performer, traveling the Western States with her father's show and several other troops. Fun fact, one of her older brothers, Sam, played the butler in the 1948 Three Stooges short film, Heavenly Days. And her sister, Etta McDaniel, was also an actress with over 50 film credits. Wow. Yeah. Now, around this time, she met, around the time she left and became a professional singer and performer, she met and began dating a man named Howard Hickman. The couple married on January 19, uh, 1911 in Denver, Colorado. But by 1915, she was a widow. Oh, shit. I couldn't find a lot of information on this. Uh, Like, what happened? They just said he got sick and died. Like typhoid and some shit. Maybe. Dysentery. I don't know. I don't know. Some we didn't have a shot for anymore. Yeah, some of you, basically. Uh, Now, after the death of her brother Otis in 1916, the troupe began to lose money. And Hattie did not get her next big break until 1920. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time. Now, when Hattie's father retired around 1920... Um, cause he's like, Henry's like, listen here, this is, I, I, I survived slavery, children. I survived and, slavery, <laughs> the civil war. And yeah, I I'm, need, more, I'm more horrified by the 13 children than slavery. I know. It no, tells you it where was, my head yeah. is at. Um, that's, well, imagine surviving all of that and giving birth to the 13 children. Like yeah, his wife fuck did. Him. <laughs> his, her mama needed Needed a massage, you guys. Like a massage, <laughs> like a good one. Susan, uh, like Susan gets all the credit here. One, and someone's making her fancy dinner yeah. for when she's done. Okay. Susan McDaniel gets all the credit here. Yeah. So, but you know, um, you know, Henry's like, I don't need to retire. Uh, so and dessert, like really good dessert. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like, like the be chocolate nice. that's like. Yes delicious even if you want to strangle your mother you got to be nice to yeah her. you do uh when you hattie's had my children they <laughs> so, hattie, actually, so in 1920 they will never hear this no they will nope. no, no. so in 1920 she joined uh the black touring company professor george morrison's famous uh melody hounds on longer and more publicized tours so a better truth okay. until about 1925 that's fantastic yeah she also wrote dozens of show tunes such as Sam Henry Smiles, Poor Wandering, Boy Blues, and Quitting My Man Today. In the mid 1920s. I like the name of the last one. I know, Quitting My Man Today. In the mid 1920s. Still happily married, you guys. Just she, I like it. And also, this is uh, like jazz is becoming a big thing. So yeah, this, yeah, yeah. And this er, and early jazz is like my man done left me. I don't know why. Yeah, that kind of thing. Thank you, Lavetta. Um, <laughs> that was lovely. In the mid 1920s. <laughs> thank you. She embarked on a radio career, oh. singing with the Melody Hounds on station KOA in Denver. 
Even though she was a busy, she was busy as a bee hustling, she managed to start dating and married a new man named George Langford. Because she wanted it all. Yeah, but yes, he girl. was killed soon after the marriage what in 1925. Fuck? Now he Jesus. was shot. Okay. Didn't say the circumstances, but yeah. Um, well, life wasn't easy, but Jesus, yeah. that's two dead husbands. Two dead husbands. That and sucks. she's only 30, 32, maybe? Yeah. That's some trauma. Yeah, that's, yeah. And traveling around, so. Um, from 1926 to 1929, she recorded many of her songs for OK Records and Paramount Records in Chicago. During this time, she recorded seven sessions, one in the summer of 1926 on the rare Kansas City label Merit, four sessions in Chicago for OCA from late uh, 26 to uh, late 27, and ten of the 10 sides recorded, only four were issued and two sessions in Chicago for Paramount in uh, March of 1929. So we didn't know that about her. She had a, a, a very, she had a successful career as a singer. Yeah, I had no like idea. a singer. Yeah. So if now someone the, said Hattie McDaniel the singer, I'd have been like, I only know about Hattie McDaniel yeah, the, the actress. actress. But back then, you and I both know all performers, they weren't triple threat. They were like quadruple threat. Yeah, They're like, I can, do- I can tell jokes. I can tell <laughs> dance. I can black, uh, flip backwards. Like, I can do something, yeah, do right? Everything. I can do I can say. You and I are like, I'm funny and I, I do know. Shakespeare. And that's it. Yeah. Um, now, being a performer was always a grind. And being a black performer was an even harder situation because of the limited opportunities and racism. Especially yeah. when trying to make a living. Yeah. So after the stock market crashed in 29... Mm. Hattie could find work only as a washroom attendant and waitress at Club Madrid Ugh, in Milwaukee. That's awful. So you go from being like, because yeah. that's the first thing to go, entertainment, when people ain't got no yeah, money. That's true. You know, so um, so despite the owner's reluctance to let her perform, so, she, you know, she's a washroom attendant. Unless your name and, is Shirley Temple. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And if you're already in the movie, so. Yeah. Um, despite the owner's reluctance, so he was like, mm, no, you're a washerwoman, whatever. Stay, stay, stay in the bathroom. Uh, she was eventually allowed to take the stage. And because she has all this experience, she has like 20,000 hours at this point of experience. Yeah. She became, she soon became a regular performer. In 1931, Hattie moved to Los Angeles to join some of her siblings who were already there starting okay. to act. And, yeah. you know, uh, when she could not get film work in the beginning, she took jobs as a maid or a cook because that's the only jobs that a black woman could get, whether she was educated or not, but especially if she didn't have a lot of education. Right. Around this time, her brother Sam began working on a, on a KNX radio program called the Optimistic Do Nut Hour. And was able to get her a spot on the show. Good oh, brother. Wow. She performed on the radio as a uh, high hat Hattie, a bossy maid who often quote forgets her place. Okay. End quote. Yep. Her show became a sensation, but her salary was so low that she had to continue working as a fucking maid. I have pay women what they're worth. What the fuck? Yep. Yep. Pay women what they're worth. So she's doing something she loves, but the pay is so low, she has to still work as a fucking maid. She loves and is very much appreciated yeah. and popular. Yeah. Her, yeah. Fuck so. them. Now, she made her first film appearance in the Golden West in 1932, in which she played a maid. That's a running theme, because racism. Yeah. Her second appearance came in the highly successful Mae West film, I'm No Angel, in 1933. Ah. In which she played one of the black maids with whom Wes uh, camps it up backstage. So I watched uh, nice. this scene yeah. recently, and I love you know I love me some Mae West. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mae West has like a, a kind of a troubled history of like 
black appropriation even back Does in the day. She? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, she when she what was back she in New do? York and writing, she often would pull like she knew white audiences would be familiar with black entertainment culture. culture. So she would use it. You know, she had very blonde hair and like, yeah. So and she also like, did it with the gay community. Like, I'm well. eating fried chicken. No, no, no. It was just sort of and like I'm attracted to women. It's kind of like what the Kardashians do where they're like they're they take on like the coolness of black culture. Yeah. But not yeah. It doesn't work there either. No. And so she um so yeah, so so I was watching this 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 uh scene with Hattie and it's like three other mates. It's really interesting historically because there's four black women on camera. And Mayweather is problematic in other ways, but I have to give it to Mayweather yeah. because in yeah. this in some of her films, it, it must have been one of the women in this scene. She does like the sort of like, you know, sitting in the emperor's chair kind of shtick that, you know, the 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 uh, court jester sits in the king's yes. chair. Yeah, 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 that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. It's like, get out of my chair. It's like, ah, and it puts the crown on and like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, fooling around. Um, but for black women, they're all made in May uniforms, but they're on screen with her. And it's problematic because she's like the white pure woman in the middle. Yeah. And they're all standing around her and it's always like, oh, you know, and. But as black performers go, being in a Hollywood film where you have more than one line yeah. is a big deal. And it they're is. all different. They're all different. It's really interesting because they basically... Did you give them characters? Like, yeah, they all have names. Like, they all have names. That's... And, but it's I mean, of, our bar is low. The bar is very, very low. So considering that bet, low bar, this is... But I bet yeah. Hattie was thrilled. Oh, sure. Because a big movie, you know, it was a small part, relatively small part, but... It looks good. You can show tape, da da da. Um, you know, if like, someone cast you and I in yeah. a small part yeah. in a big movie, yeah. we'd be super happy. And that movie was a huge hit. That's the one yes. where we meet uh, Cary Grant, a young Cary Grant. So, um, so Hattie received several uncredited film roles in the early 1930s. So that's just like the beginning of her. She's just like out there hustling. She's like yeah. trying to make a living. She's like, you want me to serve the man? lunch because if she's not doing scene, this sure you know she's not doing this she's working as a maid or in a wash room attendant right she might so, as well be filming yeah. her being a maid um exactly so she received several so yeah so throughout the 30s the beginning of the 30s she has a lot of uncredited stuff but in 1934 she joined the screen actors guild Yay. i bet she was so excited that must have been a big it's big when it you join. But she wasn't $2,000 like no, it is now. It's, it's more now. It's more now. Yeah, it's more now. Fuck them. Um, so soon so after. So many things to say fuck them to today. <laughs> so soon after I mean, joining. I this close to getting sag. Yeah. I'm just saying it's, it's a big deal, though. Every actor's like, oh, my God, you know? Yeah, that's a big deal. Uh, oh, so now every actor's like, shit. I know, and then you get that bill, and you're like, mm-hmm. I have to pay what? Uh-huh. Um so soon after, she began to attract attention and landed larger film roles and screen credits. Fox Film Corporation put her under contract. Okay. That's a big deal, people. Yeah. To appear in The Little Colonel in 1935 with Shirley Temple. I was just speaking of Shirley Temple. Bill Bojangles Robinson. Yes. And Lionel Barrymore. That's the one where Bojangles and Shirley Temple do the tap is this up and down the stairs. Yeah. Well, they did, what, four films together? Like, huge hits. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, I used to watch the, I I used to watch her movies all the time. Yeah, when you're a kid, kid they're great because she's like the star. She's a little kid and she's a yeah, star. But really cool. this is a big deal because Shirley Temple and Bill Bojangles in any movie was a big deal. Yes. Like it was a huge hit. 
Is it, uh, it I remember watching it being it like, they, franchise. I, they solved racism. I know, right? Look, yeah. everything's good now. I wonder what Bill Bojangles Robinson had to say about that. But Probably anyway. not what I just said. No. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until Judge Priest in 1934, directed by John Ford and starring Will Rogers, that she was able to play her first major role. She had a leading part in the film and demonstrated her singing talent, including a duet with Rogers. Oh, nice. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And I watched that one, too. And, oh, it's... She definitely plays that whole massa. Like, hey. she's very, like, deferential and, like, yeah. Um, and and she looks the same age then as she does in Gone with the Wind. Really? So, like, it's, it's like she became old. She started playing older before she was old. You, okay. the, yeah but so we know you got to have a gimmick in the yeah. business right so um so in this film but that was a big break for her uh and you know hattie, i'm gonna go down a rabbit hole tonight i know so hattie and will became friends during filming friends in quotes uh in 1935 she had prominent roles as a maid once again and mm-hmm. alice adams an rko f- uh, picture uh, a comic part as Jean Harlow's maid and traveling companion in China Seas from MGM. Okay. Uh, her first film with Clark Gable. And as the maid Isabella in Murder by Television with Bella Lugosi. I would love to see yeah. that. Uh, she appeared in the 1938 film Vivacious Lady starring James Stewart and Ginger Rogers. Heavy hitters. I There are so many movies yeah. I need to see. Even more. So, in 1936... They should make a comp- like a Hattie McDaniel compilation. I think it'd be too long, because she reportedly was in over 300 films. Like That yeah. would be too long. In 1936... <laughs> uh, you can break it up. In the- compilation one, compilation she was two. In Showboat. Uh, yes. And she had a featured role as Queenie, in which she and um, uh, uh, Paul Robeson... Yes. Saying, I I Still Suits Me, written for the film by Kern and Hammerstein. That's another movie that solved racism. Yeah. After, so that was a big deal. I watched that. And that was really interesting was, because uh, Paul Robeson is very handsome, yeah. uh, deniably leading man, black man. So it was a problem back then because they didn't know what to do with him. Right. He's like, like gorgeous. Who are you going to be a servant to? Right. And he has this great voice. And but Nobody. she's doing her uh, her thing, yeah. you know. And but it's interesting because it, it's very problematic because basically the 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 song is about him being lazy and shiftless. And she actually says, "You're lazy and shiftless. I do all the work." And in the while they're singing, in this thing where they're singing, she's actually working and he's sitting and just shucking peas. So it's really really problematic, but it's kind of awesome also because Which is she's interesting working. because Showboat definitely solved racism. Yes. This is so, a huge film, um, but and she's huge, working. Yeah. She's working. Like this is huge. So problematic. That's like you. That's like on SNL. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not okay. No. It's it's. But she's working, right? And she's like probably thrilled. A, she yeah. is thrilled because as the types of roles go, if you're gonna play a maid, like she's in these big movies with these big stars. Yeah. Right. Um, now, so after Showboat. She had major roles in, in Saratoga, starring Gene Harlow and Clark Gable, The Shopworn Angel with Margaret Sullivan, uh, Sullivan, and The Mad Miss Manton, starring Barbara Stanwyck and Henry Fonda, and many, 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 many more. You know, if it wasn't for racism, we would look at her as a star. Yeah. We see her now as the first, like, we, yeah. we'll get to that. She's a like, star to me because but, I understand the difficult, and I think, I think even white Hollywood thinks of her as a star, you know, I like, don't, I don't know. I, she, you know, her, 
The problem is they playing treat- a maid. No, they loved her. Yeah. That's okay. what I'm saying. Like they loved her. And then that's why, and I'll get into that. I'm getting into that okay. a little bit, but she, if these roles had, had were three dimensional roles. Yeah. She, it may have been okay, but in Hattie's mind, she's like, I have made it. Are you kidding me? Right. Like I have I think, made it. I think that's the issue. I yeah. think, I think if they had, if they had let those roles be more interesting, yeah. be more complicated, be funnier, be, yeah. you know, be funnier and in, in not in a obnoxious way. In yeah, a, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, which I have no doubt she has the talent for. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. And you that, know, it's so interesting know. because I didn't even have, her playing a maid is one thing because it's like that's all the roles she could get. But it's so interesting because you could see the black performers. Uh, and in one of these films, she's with Step and Fetch It. Step and Fetch It, it was a comic fucking genius. Yes. Like his timing was impeccable. Problem is, is that he was the only black person in a film. That's why it was like problematic. Because I actually watched a film with him recently where it's all black cast. I almost peed my pants. He was so funny. What, what film? It's like, it's on Netflix. They have like an African-American like collection oh, of films. Oh, because the month. Yeah. Yes. And, no, this is, this oh, is really? before. Yeah, oh, it's called nice. like African-American. Because like, Hulu did just for the month. It's oh, I have to go to Hulu. Maybe it's I can questionable find yeah. what they're considering black. Just, okay. you know, I think any film with someone a black, black in it is yeah. a black film now. No, this but. one on Netflix, it's been up there for a while. It's like old, like it's like Oscar Micheaux films. It's like silent films. I need to go. It's there. like, but it's a, it's part of a compilation, so you have to kind of click on it, and then there's like all these several like. Oh, there's this black man on it. He's a, he was a light skinned black man, very handsome. He's like the lead in this western. This guy totally could have been a big star, right? Like, right. Um. So so it's interesting because a lot of so when I watched the Step and Fetch It one with him in this mostly black cast, all black cast actually. He's so fucking funny. And even they're like, settle down, settle down. Because he's the comic relief. Yeah, he's yeah, totally yeah. the comic relief. They're like, settle down, settle down. It's like an interrogation scene. Oh my God, I almost peed my pants. He was so funny. But then <laughs> the problem is black performers in mostly white films, the way they even deliver the lines, and I, you know it's the director, because you know if they tried to make it just realistic, they would be like, no, bug your eyes out more. You know, that's the problem. They're, yeah. they're all like smiling. They deliver their lines smiling almost. It's really, I really feel for these performers. That's what, really, yeah, that, really that's do. how I, I agree. That's what I feel like. Yeah. There, I have no doubt she could have been, that she, she was held back. And I'm sure she even tried different things. But at, at a certain point, you're just like, I do it too. Like if I go for a commercial audition and they're like, make her sassy. And I go, mm-hmm. And every black actress talks about that when they want to oh, really? be like, mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll go in and I'll just do it automatically because I know that's what they want. And the casting director would be like, no, don't do that. Just do it straight. Really? Yeah, white casting director. I've been told that uh, several oh. times. No, just do it straight. Oh, okay. I can do that. Yeah, really? Yeah. You know that you understand that I'm a full person? Yeah, he, they oh, understand what you're them. doing. Like, they're smarter. A lot of them are smarter than you would think they are. Like, that's they know good. when they're asking you to do something that's okay. like, yeah. And so... Um, so yeah, so I, but in her mind, she is winning. Okay, this is yeah. amazing. Yeah, no, this is really true. amazing, right? Her parents were slaves. Yeah. She's in fucking Hollywood movies. That's amazing. So um, now, so she was in all these movies. Um, in general, Hattie became best known and notorious for playing sassy and opinionated maids. So now Hattie is making some coins, paying yep. her bills, mm-hmm. and living her best life. Bought a house in the Hollywood Hills, I presume. But, yeah. 
She was also being heavily criticized by some in the black community for the roles she accepted and for, for pursuing roles aggressively rather than rocking the Hollywood boat. I get it. I understand black people are like, girl, what are you doing? It's like that Key Appeal sketch. Have yeah. you ever seen that Key Appeal sketch? I don't know which so one. So they go to, they're at a funeral. Okay. And uh, the guy's like, I, you would never guess, you know, um, we found uh, granddad's uh, acting reel from Hollywood. I need to see and, this And uh, we're going to play it here. Girl, they play it. And it's like, it's <laughs> <laughs> playing a, a slave. Like a, a native person oh, in Africa. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's not okay. And it's so funny Grandpa. because everybody's horrified. <laughs> so, so they finish playing it and then they put it in the casket with them to be burned. <laughs> you can like, take that with you, Grandpa. Oh, my God. But it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see this. I'm going to Google oh it. Oh, my God. It's so funny. That's why I love Kia Peel. So, um... So, but I understand the black community because they're, they're like, why don't you push for your roles to be better, right? Yeah, like and you, if you have some Because this cloud. is the 30s. This yeah. is like the height of Jim Crow. Yeah. This is like, yeah. yeah. And Hattie, it's, she probably in her mind was like, do you know what it took for me to get here? Like, do you know, yeah. I don't need to rock the boat. I need to just go and keep my head down, right? She's like, I'm not going to take sides. Obviously, I'm a black woman. I'm a proud black woman, but I'm not going to rock the boat, right? So, black people are like, mm, yeah. Now, so for the, for example, in The Little Colonel in 1935, she played one of the black servants longing to return to the old South. What? What? So in their mind, they're like, you have no, you have some power, so you can demand that they change some parts of these roles. That's a very legitimate ask. I feel like that. But then we it, also know she may not re- she may not have felt that she had any power. Right. But that's a tough one because it's, it's a basically on Miss Slavery is yes. what they're saying. Oh, yeah. But that's how, say. yeah. They're saying that, yeah. But in her mind, she's like, well, if I say something, I'm going to lose this job and they'll just hire somebody after me. They're going to hire another woman. Because she had she, she didn't trust that her name mattered. Right. But what performer does trust that? Not a soul. Not one. Yeah. No, zero. So she was in a very precarious, zero. and she was in the she was uh, she was in a very difficult situation. I understand both sides. I do. Me, I probably I don't know what I could have done back in the thirties. It's I will say this, like like not having any education and not having yeah. options at all, and obviously the matrimony stuff's not working. Like so, it's not like she could find some man the and thing just is, become I, a housewife. You, you don't know, like I. I've, had some roles offered in some moments that I was uncomfortable with. And I, I always said something, Yeah. but I was not making a living at it. Yeah. I had parents who could send me a check if I was desperate. Yeah. So my, she doesn't have any of that. If anything, her family members are probably asking her for money. She's probably funding a lot of her family a little bit. So like, I can't speak to it at all because I. Nowadays, we could you know, say she has options, especially right. at this point in her career. You know, she's been in these big. She could, you know, parlay into television. You can do, you know, you can do uh, other things. Like, and, but back then, she's like, I remember what that hustle was on the road. Also, too, like it is the middle of Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. Like it, and so while you kind of want to fight against it yeah. as much as you can, you're also a victim of it. Yep. And, you know, like, I, I feel like it, there's, 
I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a hard yeah. position. So black people are mad are starting to get mad at her. But then white people were mad at her too because of her portrayal of of Melena and RKO's pictures, Alice Adams. It angered Southern white audiences because she stole every scene, several scenes from the film's white star, Katherine Hepburn. Because she was better than her. Because you could take your eyes off her. And it's true. She's she's hilarious. Like, she's hilarious. And white people were pissed? Yeah. Just fucking laugh. I tell you. Racism makes no sense. Jesus. Now, Gone with the Wind. This is what everybody's here for. That's what she's most famously Mm -hmm. known for. So most people know Hattie McDaniel from her iconic portrayal of Mammy. That was her character's name in Gone with the Wind. Interestingly enough, the competition to win the part of Mammy in Gone with the Wind was almost as fierce as that for Scarlett O'Hara. Really? Yes. Didn't they audition like 200 women for Scarlett This is what I'm saying in in, in Hattie's mind. Yeah. Like, not just in her mind, in reality, there's like 100 black women Plus size, dark skinned black women mm-hmm. who are like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yep. Like, you want to pay me how much? This is, this is good. Because everybody yep. knew it was going to be a huge movie. It had a right. huge, huge budget. Oh, yeah. Everyone knew yeah. this was going to be the movie of So it was century, almost as good. So much so that First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt wrote to film producer David O. Selznick to ask that her own maid, Elizabeth McDuffie, be given the part. Are you, Eleanor, just. But this is how fierce the competition was. I know, but Eleanor, she's not an actress. Yes. Now, Hattie also, didn't Eleanor, give her a raise, okay? <laughs> no, but everybody wanted to be in this film. You know how people yeah, are know, obsessed and mesmerized Also, by people Hollywood. don't know that acting is a thing. Yeah, they think acting is It's easy. not just standing there and saying words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes it a little bit is, but, but yeah, you know. Depends on what kind of brand you have. Yeah. Um, now, Hattie didn't even think she could get the role. Because up to this what? point, she had been considered a comedic actress. Oh. She's like hamming it up. She's a comedy lady, you know? Yeah. Uh, one source claimed that Clark Gable recommended that the role be given to her, and another that she, and then another one said that she went to the audition dressed in authentic maid uniform and won the part. I don't know; either one of them could be true. It is 1930s, so this yeah. could be true. Now, upon hearing of the planned film adaptation, the NAACP fought hard to require the film's producer and director to delete racial epithets from the film, in particular the offensive slur, the N-word, uh-huh. and to alter scenes that might be incendiary and that, in their view, was historically inaccurate. Of particular concern was a scene from the novel in which black men attacked Scarlett O'Hara, after which the Ku Klux Klan, with its long history of provoking terror in the black communities, is presented as her savior. Nope, don't do that. Don't do that. A la oh, birth of that, a nation. That bitch wrote that book. Yeah. That bitch. Yeah. Oh, she a bitch. I did not know she was a bitch. She's a bitch. Now, throughout the South, black men historically. I don't know why I'm so surprised. Well, because you know slavery exists and you're like, oh, it's vaguely back there. But this is how it actually affected people's lives. This is Hattie McDaniel. She's a performer. She's not like an activist. She's not. She's like, I'm just trying to get paid so I don't have to be a maid. Right. Okay. I'm just, oh, Margaret Mitchell. We're going to have to do her. So now throughout the South, for historical context, black men were being lynched based upon false allegations that they had harmed white women. Yeah. Or even spoken to white women. Yep. That that attack scene was altered because of the pressure from the NAACP. Good job. Yeah. And some offensive language, some, was modified, but another epitaph, Darky, remained in the film. Okay. And the film's message with respect to slavery remained essentially the same. Consistent with the book, the film's screenplay also referred to poor whites as white trash, and it ascribed these words equally to black and white characters. 
So even though this was to be an enormous budget film that everyone wanted to be in, it was a catch-22 for Hattie. Play something that she normally played, a maid, in a highly publicized project that could elevate her career and have the NAACP mad at her. (laughs) Or you don't play a maid in this film, but continue to play maids in smaller movies. So Hattie was like, you know what? Uh, Y'all can suck it. I'm going to go after this role. I'm going to stop. You can't stop me. Bitter, bittersweet. Lowe's Grand Theater on Peachtree uh, Peach Street in Atlanta, Georgia, was selected by the studio as the site for the Friday, December 15, 1939 premiere of Gone with the Wind. Studio head David Selznick asked that Hattie be permitted to attend, but MGM advised him not to because of Georgia's segregation laws. Fuck you, Georgia. Fuck Clark, you hard. Clark Gable threatened to boycott the Atlanta premiere. They all should have threatened to boycott. Unless Hattie was allowed to attend. Yeah. But Hattie convinced him to attend anyway. Nope. Everyone boycotts. For her performance as the house slave who repeatedly scolds owner's daughter, Scarlett O'Hara, played by Vivian Lee, and scoffs at Rhett Butler, played by Clark Gable, Hattie McDaniel, on February 20th, 1940, won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress, the first Black American to win an Oscar. She was the first Black American to have been nominated. Uh, And she reportedly said, quote, I loved Mammy, McDaniel said when speaking to the white press about the character. I think, she goes on to say, I think I understood her because my own grandmother worked on a plantation, not unlike Tara, end quote. Now, while some Black people were pissed as fuck, I get it. Others thought her success in this way was viewed uh, more as bittersweet because they believed Gone with the Wind celebrated the slave system and condemned the forces that destroyed it. Amen. That's why I hate that movie. That's true. I can't say that. I'm like, fire burning As long as I live, I never go hungry again. What about all those other people that are still going to go hungry again? Mm -hmm. Sorry, white girl. Yeah. It totally glorifies slavery. Uh Um, Yeah. Um, I remember watching it in, in high school. Yeah, when you're little, you don't understand because Hollywood has glorified. No, I remember being like, "This is this problematic. Yeah, this feels pro-. again mm-hmm. like I no one no one approved of my like uncomfortableness with certain things, but I remember thinking like, this feels yeah. problematic." And my yeah. friend who's black, I was like, "Is this? Am I wrong? <laughs> this is interesting." Basically, American history has just been like, like. Am I the only one who doesn't like this movie? <laughs> basically, the the history of of Hollywood American history is like white Hollywood puts out something. And maybe there's one black character and black people are sitting in the segregated part, probably. Mm-hmm. Even in the North, people forget that. Looking at the screen like, hmm, a damn shame. Like, <laughs> just like, well, at least we saw one black face there. Like, just just like like hungry for crumbs of some I images mean, of themselves that it's, was it's, not. It's really interesting because I did not grow up feeling like I wasn't represented. Right. Because Obviously. as a white person, and that's the thing, it's like. You're like, well, yeah, like that was you know, normal. Yeah, I can be a lead in a film. I could be the 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 wife or the the. I could be Scarlett O'Hara. I could be Mae West. I could be right. da, 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 da. me as a black person who loves old black and white Hollywood movies. My sweet spot's the '40s. I love the '40s yeah. movies. Uh, I love Ingrid Bergman. She's one of my favorites. Um, I had to identify with the qualities of the actresses that I like because right. I couldn't identify with the way they looked. You yeah, know. it's interesting. I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, I, like I, I'm a full-fledged adult before I sort of started to understand. But then, and, and I connected, so I'm not complaining. But there's there's a little bit in, in the film world. In the theater world, Jews yeah, are everywhere. Yeah. But in the yeah. film world, yeah. they're not. That's right. So Even when though I, it was started by Jewish men Molly who had Jewish wives, their first wives, uh-huh. and traded them in for... Yeah, shiksas. <laughs> 
19 year old shixes. But so when I see that there's this like, oh my God, how do you know about that? Because I'm not used to being fully represented. But I'm I but I'm indoctrinated into the American culture of like, well, your culture isn't part of the full culture. Mm-hmm. Um and yet I could be Mae West. Yeah. You yeah. could cast You could so be Mae West if you obscure yeah. your Jewishness. Right, right. Which is which yes. I'm fully good with. Please don't write in saying you're anti Semitic against yourself. I'm not No, 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 no. But I it's know what you're but it's in terms of like, yeah, you have to put away that part of you. Yeah. Um and I can. And yeah. that's a huge difference. That's the difference. Yeah, that's yeah. the difference. But which is what I know, was talking about at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. No. No. And and I and that's the thing. Like Hattie, I get Hattie was in a difficult, difficult situation, and she's like, I just want to perform. She's a performer. She's a hand. I don't know if you can really. She's like, I just want to perform. If you can really judge her on no, what her choices were, I hope people don't. But I understand people who did, especially back then. Because they're yeah. trying to get, like, civil rights. So I get it. I totally, totally hey, I get it. I guess I can't judge her. I, um, yeah. and so, yeah. So, yeah. um, so let me speed through this because I have a lot more. But, uh, so, yeah. So, Gone with the Wind. Um, and she, I, and I understand the black people who are like, this is some bullshit. But I also think they shouldn't have taken it all out on Hattie. And I think they should have had more sympathy for her precarious situation. And lack take of opportunities it, in, in Hollywood. But they're like, you, you need to make a stand. Movie. But she's like, I'll make a stand in the unemployment line. Like, I will, yeah. There's no stand to make, yeah. honestly. Now, some of the critics felt that she not only accepted the roles, but also in her statements to the press, uh, acquiesced in Hollywood stereotypes, providing fuel for critics of those mm. who were fighting for black civil rights. And that is where I think they do have some uh, legs to stand on. Okay. Later, when she tried to take, quote, her mammy character on a road show, what? black audiences did not prove receptive. But then white Southern audiences had a problem with her performance too. Some complained that in the film, Gone with the Wind, yeah. uh, that she had been too, quote, familiar with her white owner. Oh my God. One critic noted, I think most profoundly hitting on what makes this whole role problematic, Jesus. is that, quote, McDaniel's character did not significantly depart from Mammy's persona in Margaret Mitchell's novel. And that in both the film and the book, the much younger Scarlet speaks to Mammy in ways that would be deemed inappropriate for a Southern teenager of that era to speak to a much older white person. And that neither the book nor the film hints of the existence of Mammy's own children, dead or alive, her own family, dead or alive, a real name, or her mm-hmm. desires to have anything other than a life at Tara, the plantation, or serving on a slave plantation, end quote. And I think that that's at the core of what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Right. They didn't so, give her a person. Yeah. Now, Luella Parsons, an American gossip columnist Remember and one of her? our previous notorious <laughs> women, wrote on Oscar night, February 29th, uh, wrote about Oscar night on February 29th, 1940. Quote, Hattie McDaniel earned that gold Oscar by her fine performance of Mammy and Gone with the Wind. If you had seen her face when she walked up to the platform and took the gold trophy, you, had a, you would have had the choke in your voice that all of us had when Hattie her hair trimmed in gardenias, face alight and dress up to the queen's taste, accepted the honor in one of the finest speeches ever given on the Academy floor. This is what Hattie McDaniel said, and I watched yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quote, yeah. Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, fellow members of the motion picture industry and honored guests, this is one of the happiest moments of my life. And I want to thank each one of you who had a part in selecting me for one of their awards for your kindness. 
It has made me feel very, very humble, and I shall always hold it as a beacon for anything that I may be able to do in the future. I sincerely hope I shall always be a credit to my race and to the motion picture industry. My heart is too full to tell you how, just how I feel. And may I say thank you and God bless you all, end quote. And then she runs from the stage, she has tears in her eyes. And I actually mm. teared up watching it because she's just so sweet. She's all like dressed up in this beautiful dress and her hair is all, she just looks so pretty. And, you know, I just wanted her to be able to enjoy that moment. Cause and also as a performer, yes. right? Like no, she and like Lavetta, yeah. she earned it. She, oh, she totally. She earned it. worked oh, yeah. for it. And Truth be told, she should have had her own movies. We all know that, but yeah. racism, you know. Well, I think it's really interesting because I think Hollywood likes to tout itself for yeah. being yeah. colorless, blind, mm-hmm. you know, and it's absolutely not. But they they'll quite often show. Yeah. Her accepting the award yeah. or, or her performance of like yeah. Hollywood was an early supporter of yeah, yeah, civil yeah. rights and a, a, a birth of a nation, anyone? Like, you know, like that. <laughs> I mean, the movie they're talking about with her is so problematic that, like, just I feel like I wish we could have like a true, a more honest conversation about Hollywood's role in in racism in and general. And continuing it, yeah. And, and, and promoting it I love when it people are like, Hollywood's so liberal, and it's like, hmm. Will you uh, see a movie lately? Like, so what you're saying, Uh huh. that's so true. Racist fun fact, she and her escort at that same award, where same Academy Award uh, ceremony where she won Academy yeah. Award, were required to sit at a segregated table for two at the far wall of the room. Are you shitting me? Her white agent, William Mecklejohn, sat at the same table. The hotel had strict no blacks policy, but allowed McDaniel in as a favor. Can we just talk Gone about how this was, was in California? Yes. Gone with the Wind had won eight Academy Awards. It was later named by the American film AFI as number four among the top 100 American films of all time in um, 1998 and then six in, in 2007. So... Hollywood's so liberal, but she... It's not. They had a no-blacks policy. They had a no-blacks policy. Yeah. They held... I know, you don't blame the hotel. They held it there. They gave that hotel shit fuck tons of money. Yeah. Yeah. And also, because, you know, it's problematic to a lot of black people because, you know, this is the thing. There's like like four... In one of my women's history classes, studies classes, black women's history study classes in college, they talked about this. Like, there's four archetypes for black women in media. There's the mammy. Which right. white people love because it reminds them, well, of their, their mammy. Um, <laughs> well, but, you couldn't even get it out but of But mammy mouth. is a positive, she's nurturing, she's yeah. kind, she's lovely. Um, she's what your you mother know, was supposed to be, but wasn't. Right, right. Mm. So mammy is a positive stereotype, but because of racism, mm. they bastardize the, pro- the, 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 the great qualities of it. Right. Because right? no, they no longer have access to it because of slavery. Then there's a sassy. Uh, sassy is like, you know, like, what, mm-hmm, like she's playing yeah. a sassy maid, right? Then there's a sapphire, which is basically the whore. Um, <laughs> and then there's the also, angry black also woman. Also my birth gem. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Me too. Um, and so like, but all of these have like, like the sapphire has, is, is, is confident sexually. Right. But a woman, how dare a woman have any kind of sexual, no. like. A, a black woman? Yeah, what? a black woman. Like, what? so they bastardize that, Right. right. Uh, being sassy is having, um, being confident and, and standing up for yourself. Those are great qualities yeah. for any person. And then the, being the angry black woman, again, standing up for yourself. Like 
Those are yep. things, those are positive things, but they bastardize it and turn it negative. Even the every, whole life. Every one of those. Nurturing. Yeah. Um, b- b- confident. Yep. What, what it, am I? Yeah, intelligent. Intelligent. Yep. yep. Sexy. Yep, sexy. Uh, f- someone who fights for their yeah. for their own and other people and for yeah ex- but you know and a lot of people with Hattie McDaniel because she represents the mammy the most you know um uh benign of those like non-threatening to white people mm-hmm. and that's why you see this this uh prototype over and over again but I would argue also you know black people respond to this as well because it's a nurturing kind matriarchal right. uh, you know that's what Medea is and black people love Medea just as much as white people love Medea because Medea is also hilarious I mean I would argue that Medea is a combination of all four of those things yeah yeah, yeah. Um, actually so that's a good like, argument and Medea is definitely my grandmother so <laughs> um, so now on March 21st 1941 she married for a third time James Lloyd Crawford a real estate salesman in Tucson Arizona uh, so she was riding high. She won an Academy mm-hmm. Award in 1940. She's like, she's like, I am living my best life. After her Oscar win, Hattie continued to work regularly, but the nature of the roles she she was offered continued to be variations of the mammy archetype. Yeah. She continued to play maids or maid adjacent roles during the war years and Warner Brothers, uh, the male animal and the United Artists since she went away in 1944. But her feistiness was toned down to reflect the era's somber news. Yeah. During World War II, she served as a chair as chairman of the Negro Division of the Hollywood Victory Committee, providing entertainment for soldiers stationed at military bases. Okay. The military bases, of course, were segregated, and black entertainers were yeah. not allowed to serve on white entertainment committees. She enlisted the help of a friend, the actor Lee Whipper, and other black entertainers for her committee. She made numerous personal appearances at military hospitals through parties and performed at uh, the USO at USO shows and war bond rallies to raise funds to support the war on behalf of the Victory Committee. Betty Davis was throwing her own versions of this. Yeah. Was the only white member of Hattie's acting troupe to perform for black regiments. Lena Horne and Ethel Waters were also uh, participating. She was also a member of the American Women's Voluntary Services. She joined the actor Clarence Muse, one of the first black members of the Screen Actors Guild, in an NBC radio broadcast to raise funds for the Red Cross relief programs for Americans that have been displaced by devastating floods. And she gained a reputation for generosity, lending money to friends and strangers alike. Wow. Around this time, Hattie became involved in a class action lawsuit. So Hattie's winning, right? Yeah. And she's like, I'm just going to keep my head down. I'm just going to do I, do what I can. I'm living my best life under these circumstances. Right. Now, there was a lawsuit going on. So this is another thing that black people have to deal with. So, you know, they're like, oh, you're special. You've made it. White people love you. Da, da, da. Now, Hattie was one of the most famous of the black homeowners who helped to organize the Black West Adams neighborhood residents who saved their homes. Lauren Miller, an, an attorney and the owner and publisher of the California Eagle newspaper, represented the minority homeowners in their restrictive covenant case in 1945. Wow. Time magazine, in its issue December 17, 1945, reported that, quote, spacious, well-kept West Adams Heights still had the complacent look of the days when most of Los Angeles' uh, aristocracy lived there. What is going on with that I dog out there? I don't know. That's like... I'll go on. You won't stop I know. Uh, so the uh, Time Magazine goes on to say, in 1938, Negroes willing and able to pay $15,000 and up for, for Heights property had begun moving into the old eclectic mansions. Many were movie folk. Actresses Louise Beavers, which was a contemporary of Hattie. She was a very similar I've heard type. Of her, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, Hattie McDaniel, Ethel Waters, etc. They improved their holdings, kept well-defined ways, quickly won more than tolerance for most of the white neighbors. Okay. But some white neighbors, refusing to be comforted, yeah. comforted, had referred to the original racial restriction covenant that came with the development of West Adams back in 1902, which restricted, quote, non-Caucasians from owning property. Okay, this is California, you guys. For seven years, they had been... They not had tried, always liberal. No. Hashtag not always liberal. So for seven years, they had tried to enforce it, but failed. They were trying to enforce the, the, the original racial restriction covenant. But then they went to court. So Superior Judge Thurman Clark decided to visit the disputed ground, properly known as Sugar Hill. Next morning, Judge Clark threw the case out of court. His reason, quote, it is time that members of the Negro race are accorded without reservation or, or evasions the full rights guaranteed them under the 14th Amendment to the federal constitution. Thank you. Judges have been avoiding the real issue too long, yes. end quote. So they, they, it was in their favor. Hattie McDaniel of the West Adams Heights quoted, words cannot express my appreciation. So Hattie had purchased her white two-story 17-room house in 1942. The house included a large living room, dining room, drawing room, den, butler's pantry, kitchen, service, service porch, you know, library, four pantry. bedrooms, and a basement. Mm, uh, bare minimum. And she had yearly Hollywood parties. Everyone knew that the king of Hollywood, Clark Gable, would always be found at her parties. Uh, so awesome. she imagined... Being so poor, when you were on a radio station, you still had to work as a maid. Yeah. Now, and now you're able to buy this house. And these people are like, we don't want you here, Docus. Like, it's just bullshit. Anyway. So much bullshit. 1945 was a good year for America, but was a rough one for Hattie. According to Donald Bogle in his book, Bright Boulevard's Bold Dreams, ha uh, McDaniel happily confided to columnist Hedda Hopper in uh, 1945 yes. that she was pregnant. McDaniel, uh, Hattie began buying baby clothes and set up a nursery in her house. So she's still married to a third husband. Right. Hopefully he won't die. Uh, her Crossing plans, my fingers. I know. Her plans were shattered when she suffered a false pregnancy. And then she fell into a depression. She never had any children. She divorced her husband Crawford that same year after four and a half years of marriage. That's rough. I know. That's, That's rough. rough. Uh, Crawford had been jealous of her career success, she said. As, for, as her fame grew, Hattie faced growing criticism from members of the black community. Um, and, you know, so basically this is what the NAACP stance was. In addition to addressing the studios, they called upon actors and especially leading black actors to pressure studios to offer more substantive roles and at least not pander to stereotypes. They also argued that these portrayals were unfair as well as inaccurate and in that coupled with segregation and other forms of discrimination, such stereotypes were making it difficult for all blacks, not just only actors, to overcome racism and succeed in the mm -hmm. entertainment industry. Some attacked... Uh, Patty for being an Uncle Tom, a person willing to advance personally by perpetuating racial stereotypes or be an agreeable agent of offensive racial restrictions. Patty characterized these challenges as class-based biases against domestics, a claim that white colonists seem to accept. So Hattie's basically saying is like, no, you guys just have a problem with me playing a maid because there's classism, which she has a point. She there. does have a point. Because they want her to be the, but she can't be also, clean a whore. the NAACP can go after Hollywood. Yeah. Like but they're, they're going after Hollywood and her. They're saying right. that she needs to, to use her power. I would argue that she probably didn't think 
She okay. had that much power. Yeah. yeah. And she probably didn't. So I'm just saying. Uh, now, she reportedly said, quote, why should I complain about making $700 a week playing a maid? If I didn't, I'd be making $7 a week being one, end quote. She's not wrong. She's not wrong at all. And that's how, why it's a hard position. Hollywood not, I mean, they, they, I think, you know, honestly, and, and we can say this because we're so many years after this, but yeah. I think in their mind, they wanted her to seem like she was fighting back. And in her mind, she was like, well, y'all, ixnay on the internet, I'm trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they were they, both right. I I think so. And I think they were hoping she was, she also had a an activist side of her, yeah. which she didn't. And But not, a lot of people you know, also, her parents were slaves. A lot of people were talking all this stuff. Ain't that, it's not that like she doesn't know right. the right. situation. But then also... Her father did have a menstrual show, and I feel like people who are criticizing uh, her yeah. would not have. That's a that's a dirty little. That's a very um, unsavory secret because a lot of people don't know that black performers perform in blackface. And again, black black audiences didn't really want to see black performers. I'm like, in blackface. don't they? Didn't they all study vaudeville? No, I guess. Yeah, they don't. No, a lot not, of people don't know that. So, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, but perhaps their criticism was wasn't unwarranted. Hattie may have also been criticized because, unlike many other black entertainers, she was not associated with civil rights protests and was largely absent from efforts to establish a commercial base for independent black films. So okay. she did not join she the could have done that. Yeah. She did not join the Negro Actors Guild of America until nineteen forty seven, late in her career. Really? Uh, she hired one of the few white agents who would represent black actors in those days, uh, to advance her career. So, you know. Evidence suggests her avoidance of political controversy were deliberate. When colonist Hedda Hopper sent Richard Nixon uh, placards and asked McDaniel to distribute them. McDaniel declined, replying she had long ago decided to stay out of politics. Quote, Beulah is everybody's friend, she said. Because she was trying to like stay in the middle, but that was a time not to stay in the middle. Since she was earning a living honestly, she added, she should not be criticized for accepting such work as was offered. Her critics, especially Walter White of the NAACP, claimed that she and other actors who agreed to portray stereotypes were not a neutral force, but rather willing agents of black oppression. Hattie and other black actresses and actors feared that their roles would evaporate if yeah. the NAACP and other Hollywood critics complained too loudly. I mean, she blamed these critics for hindering her career and sought the help of allies of doubtful reputation. After speaking with her, Hedda Hopper, we know how problematic Hedda Hopper was. She's very problematic. Even claimed that Hattie's career troubles were not the result of racism, but had been caused by her own people, end quote. No, it's the definite result of racism. This is why Hedda Hopper is problematic. 100% racism. Because if it wasn't for racism, she wouldn't be put in this position. Not at all. And she would have had more interesting roles. Exactly. And she would have gotten credit for making... Because obviously she's talented. She's clearly talented. Like she's no Undeniable. No doubt. Yeah. That it could have, her career could have taken off in ways that would have just made her undeniable. So, I mean. When you're told to bug your eyes out a little bit more. And you're going to be fired in the next job if you don't do what this director says on this job. That's right. Then that's your choice. Then that's that's where you are. Yeah. And do you want to be $7 an hour or $700? But I understand, when I I did research on that, I was like, I understand why the NAACP, because it seemed like they were after her personally, because they felt like, I think that if she had been more active and behind the scenes I think if she, like, went to 
fight. Yeah. You know, went to rallies, went to and yeah. showed up and had her fan or picture yeah. there and been like, no, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm on the right side of things, but I also have a job and yeah. this is my job. But then she's not wrong either because Lena Horn was, uh, may she rest in peace, was a, a, a extreme activist. And yeah. not extreme, but she was an activist. She was vocal, uh, even though she married a, oh, she had a white husband, but she was very vocal about civil rights. And Miss Lena Horn, if you look up her IMDb page, it's not that long. She should really? have no. When I, I finally looked at her, her credits, I was like, she had big credits, but only a few. Lena Horn should have had over two hundred films. She should have made where yeah. she was the lead. Like that's no, and she was probably probably but she paid the price according she to Hollywood, right? Yeah. So liberal elite Hollywood did not like. Nope. They didn't like black people standing up for themselves. Mm-hmm. So now whether it was claiming uh, the changing times or the pressure from the NAACP uh, was finally too great to ignore. In the late 80s, Hattie's film career began to slow down. She made her last appearance in Mickey 1948 and Family Honeymoon in 1949. And one of her first TV appearances that same year when she appeared on the live CBS television program, The Ed Wynn Show. Now, oh, yeah. in, in the years to follow, she became active on radio and television, becoming the first black American to star in her own radio show with the comedy series Bueller. Things were going great. Uh, inner stage left, a douchey dude. So she married Larry Williams, an interior decorator, on June 11, 1949 in Yuma, Arizona, but divorced him in 1950 after testifying that their five-month relationship had been marred by, quote, arguing and fussing. Patty broke she down in tears. married in Arizona. What's that all about? I don't know. Maybe that's, her family's probably back there, like oh, her yeah. kinfolk. Okay. Uh, she finally broke down in tears when she testified that her husband tried to provoke dissension in the cast of her radio show and otherwise interfered with her work. Quote, I haven't gotten over it yet, she said. I got so, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't concentrate on my lines. End quote. Do she do. Just fucking it up. Fucking men. She also starred in ABC television version of the show, replacing Ethel Waters after the first season. Waters had apparently expressed concerns over stereotypes in the role. Beulah was a hit, however, and earned uh, Hattie $2,000 a week. But the show was controversial. In 1951, the United States Army ceased broadcasting Beulah in Asia because troops complained that the show perpetuated negative stereotypes of black men as shiftless and lazy and interfered with the ability of black troops to perform their missions. After filming a handful of episodes... yeah, Maybe it should have not been. Yeah. After filming a handful of episodes, however, uh, Hattie learned she had breast cancer. Oh, shit. By the spring of 1952, she was too ill to work and was replaced by Louise Beavers. At age 59, on October 26, 1952, in the hospital on the grounds of the Motion Picture House in Woodland Hills, she, uh, she died. Oh, shit. She was survived by her brother, Sam McDaniel. Thousands of mourners turned out to celebrate her life and achievements. In her will, Hattie wrote, quote, I desire a white casket and a white shroud, white gardenias in my hair and in my hands, together with a white gardenia blanket and a pillow of red roses. I also wish to be buried in the Hollywood Cemetery, uh, end quote. Hollywood Cemetery on Santa Monica Boulevard is the resting place of movie stars such as Douglas Fairbanks and Rudolph Valentino. Its owner at the time, however, Jules Roth, refused to allow her to be buried there because at the time of her death, the cemetery practiced racial segregation. Oh my God, you guys. And would not accept the remains of black people for burial. Not even when they're dead. Her her second choice. Seriously? They can't even have an opinion. Nope. nope. Her second choice. They're dead. I don't get. Wrong with you? I'm almost done. Okay, I'm her sorry. Choice. They're dead. 
Okay, no, I'll I stop screaming. Her, her second choice was Rosedale Cemetery, also known as Angelus Rosedale Cemetery, where she lies today. Okay. Now, her, la- her, will, her last will and testament of December 1951 bequeathed her Oscar to Howard University, where she had been honored by the students with a luncheon after she had won the Oscar. At the time of her death, Hattie would have had few options. Very few white institutions in that day preserved black history. Historically, black colleges had been where such artifacts were placed. Despite evidence Hattie had earned an excellent income as an actress, her final estate was less than $10,000. The IRS claimed the estate owed more than $11,000 in back taxes. In the end, the probate court ordered all of her property, including her Oscar, sold to pay off creditors. Her Oscar! Yeah, they do that. Just give her Oscar to her brother and walk away. Years later, the Oscar turned up where... So it had disappeared. It was like the big mystery about her Oscar. But years later, it turned up um, in Howard University where, according to reports, it was displayed in a glass case in the university's drama department. Good. Now, Hattie has two stars on the uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame. One um, for radio, to her contributions for radio, and one for her contributions in motion picture. In 1975, she was inducted uh, into the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame. In 1994, actress and singer Carla Burns launched her one-woman show, High Hat Hattie, written by Larry Parr, about Hattie's life. Burns went on to perform the role in several other cities in 2002, including Off-Broadway and the Long Beach Playhouse Studio in California. In 2002, Hattie's legacy was uh, celebrated in American movie classics AMC film Beyond Tara. The Extraordinary Life of Hattie McDaniel in 2001. Directed by Madison D. Lacey and hosted by Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, nice. This one-year special depicted uh, Hattie's struggles and triumphs in the uh, presence of rampant racism and brutal adversity. The film won the 2001-2002 Daytime Emmy Award presented on May 17, 2002. Hattie was the 29th inductee into the Black Heritage Series by the United States Postal Service. Her 39-cent stamp was released on January 29, 2006, featuring a 1941 photograph of her in the dress she wore to accept the Academy Award in 1940. The ceremony took place at the Margaret Herrick Library of the Academy of Motion Picture and Arts, and sciences where Hattie McD- where the Hattie McDaniel collection includes photographs of Hattie and other family members, as well as scripts and other documents. In 2004, Rita Dove, the first African American U.S. Po- poet laureate, published her poem "Hattie McDaniel Arrives at the Coconut Grove" mm-hmm. in the New Yorker. The American rapper Nas, uh, hip hop artist Nas, pays tribute to Hattie in his song "Blunt Ashes" from his eighth studio album release in 2006. Kevin John Goff, uh, her great-grandnephew, is currently developing a series of components on Hattie's life. The actress Monique paid homage to Hattie McDaniel when she accepted her own Best Supporting Actress Academy Award for her performance in Precious. I remember that. Yeah. So that's Hattie McDaniel. I know it's a little long, but... It's okay. Yeah. She was amazing. She was amazing. She's, she's, so, yeah. she's so much to think about. Yeah, I mean, she was really... I really... I just want to give her a big hug, like to yeah. know that as a black person, I'm very proud of her. I understand how hard it was for her, especially uh, as a black woman uh, who, cause you know, she's a character actress, yeah. you know, she wasn't leading lady. Um, and you know, they make character actors feel like they can definitely be replaced. You know, they really do. They make, and, they make leading have, actors do too, but you have, you have one life, Yeah, you know, and, and she had, 
She has her right yeah. to her dreams and the way she wants to live her yeah. one life. I just wish that she had known that she had felt more supported, yeah. perhaps by black audiences. And I, I, I have no doubt there were a lot of black people that loved her. Yeah, and they understood. Oh, sure. But then when they went to the theater, they couldn't really be proud of what of, what of the movies. Yeah, of what they were watching. But that's because of yeah. the directing. And all that other stuff. Not because of Hattie. She was making she was making I mean, the most out of a difficult situation. Yeah. So if every Jew was this money <laughs> grumbling, you know girl. You know what I mean? Then it's like, okay, you're cast, but like, wow, you're making us look back. Like yeah. I get I get it. Yeah, nowadays there's no excuse. We definitely have but options. Uh but also like you know, it's like my Middle Eastern friends who are like, I don't want to play a terrorist. Yeah. I get no, exactly. it. Exactly. I was like, you do not have to explain that to right? me. I get it. <laughs> it's do you watch Glow? You watch Glow. Oh yeah. 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 yeah like the girl oh, yeah. Lebanese girl. She's like, I what? I love how they call that out on that show though. Yeah. They're like, is this and even though it's supposed to be set in the 80s, they're like, I don't think this is right. I like, think this is not what we oh okay. Or like, we're fair <laughs> queen. Last oh, season of uh, Glow, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm totally going into your lady, but like, no, okay. I thought that was such a great, that, see, yes. that's how you handle that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I love how they kept, how her son was ashamed of her. Yeah. And, yeah. She, but she's like, I have this job. It's yeah. much better than my other job. And yeah. I love that, like, my son's at Yale or yeah. Stanford or something. I love Glow. I love oh, that show. Oh my God, I love it too. Yeah. Okay. So, mine is short, but a conversation. Okay. I'm going to tell you what her name is. Okay. Her name is Mary Kathleen Wagner, otherwise known as Mary Kay Ash. Mary Kay? Mary Kay. Oh, my God. So I listened to this podcast recently. Uh-huh. It's called The Dream. She's cheating on us. I'm cheating on you, but go <laughs> listen to it. Everybody listen to it. It's about MLMs. Okay. Okay, and I learned a lot. Okay, and so I looked for someone so we could talk about it. Okay, and I found her. So let's just talk about her. Okay, she was born May twelfth, nineteen eighteen, in Hot Wells, Harris County, Texas. Nineteen eighteen, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm. Edward Alexander was her father. Her mother was Lula Vember Hastings Wagner. Oh, um, her, fancy! I know. Not Doctor Hall. Her mother was a nurse and later a manager of a restaurant. I don't know why you go from a nurse to that. Oh. But maybe she was like a, you know, blood. Oh, yeah. I don't know what her father did, did not say. Really? I know. I you thought should that see was other, other way, around. way around, right? Yeah. She graduated high school in 1934. She married Ben Rogers at the age of eight, of 17. Of course she did. Uh, right? Yeah. And also, depressions. Deep in the depression. Deep in the depression. Yep. Woman, Texas, like, yeah. Get hitched, girl. Get, get yourself a man. Yep. Three kids, Ben Jr., Mary Lynn Reed, I guess they really liked her middle name, and Richard. <laughs> no, Mary Lynn is a very Southern Mary name. Lynn Reed. Oh, Mary Lynn Reed? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> and others. <laughs> I, I mixed some, there's a biography out there of her as well. Yeah. Um, when her husband served in World War II, she sold books door to door. When he returned in 1945, they divorced. Uh, which was you know, you know that actually happened a lot it was common because it was like i figured my life out without you yeah why are you in my house yeah and women are like i've been holding us down motherfucker. and you come back in here telling me what to actually, do actually i got this yes you can go now oh, right? right so she went after that they divorced so she went to work for stanley home products when she was this is very famous if one ever works for mary Kay, you learn about this mm-hmm. she was passed over for a promotion 
uh, in favor of a man-human. I call him that because they <laughs> a man-human. The man they liked the man-humans over the woman-humans because when the aliens come and invade us, they will <laughs> refer to this us man-human. Man human. <laughs> yes, because misogyny. Um, she had trained him, and then they then he was promoted. Oh, she was pissed. She quit. I would be pissed. I would be so pissed. So she planned on writing a book to inspire and assist women in business, which I don't know why she thought that would make her money, but um, be like, oh, be a writer, be an author. That's easy. I'm sure she had her reasons. No, she I'm sounds sure. like she's smart as a whip. She's like, smart. She's yeah. smart as fuck. Um, but the book turned into a business plan for her ideal company. Her and her new husband were going to start this company. They were okay, gonna... hold up. Oh, so yeah. so she there got... is like, oh. Uh... Mm-hmm. I'm against me a new man. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. Oh, go so girl. Check this out. Her new husband, George Helenbeck. Uh, however, he chose to die of a heart attack. He chose. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucked up. Here. What I know, I'm a little fucked Poor up. Poor George. I admit that. Um. So they were married in 1963, and they he died in 1963. What is up? I know, right? Well, it's stressful for well, men. We give them a lot of I shit. No, but, but it's true because we're like, we need you to do everything and yeah. support us financially. Also, so, you know, I have, like, that violin of sympathy. It's very small, but it's there. Yeah, and not if you were middle class or, or upper class, like, there's a lot of pressure to, to make a lot of money. To, yeah. Not to, just, like, a regular fund job. a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and your wife shouldn't be working. Yeah. Um, to be a real man. To like, be a... I watch Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, we're basically talking about Mad Men. So that's where we learned all that's of our great history. great TV show. It's so good. It is so good. Um, so... Uh, a month after he died, September 13th, 1963, she was 45 years old. She started Mary Kay Cosmetics. Good for her. Right? Her oldest son, Ben, invested $5,000, and her youngest son, Richard, took her husband's place as her business partner. Oh, she raised those boys right. Mm-hmm. Good boys. Sure. Let's That's keep, right. Let's keep talking. Oh, God. So, now, she received tons of honors and awards during and after her life. Okay. She died November twenty second, two thousand one, uh, at age eighty three. So her. So she started the business in sixty three. Uh, sixty three. Wow. September thirteenth, nineteen sixty three. Wow. Uh, she won the Horatio Alger Award. She founded the Mary Kay Ash Charitable Foundation to combat to combat domestic violence and cancers affecting women. Mm. Fortune magazine reco- recognized her company in the 100 best companies to work for in America in 1987. And she received the Equal Justice Award from Legal Services of North Texas oh. in 2001. Um Lifetime Television in 1999 awarded her Most Outstanding Woman in Business in the 20th Century. Mm. Oh, okay. Didn't know they gave awards out. I mean, you do have Elizabeth Arden and all those other oh, ladies. That's true, but like, yeah. But Mary Kay, I think she was like the first sort of like sales lady, mm-hmm. you know, Oops. and then we can't forget Madam C.J. Walker, but like, I just oh. love it when those women back then just was yeah. like, fuck that, I'm going to business. Yeah. Motherfuckers. So, let's keep talking. Okay. So, they took the company public in 1968. In okay. 1985, the board decided to take the company private again. Shareholders were getting pissy about the giveaways. So Mary Kay was known for her pink Cadillacs, yep. her diamonds, her yep. elite vacations to yes. their quote unquote top sellers. Right. Uh, so she took it private again because okay. she she knew she couldn't stop that. That was part of her brand. Yeah, yeah. Because if you image. take that away, right. yeah. And you know they had a great cleanser in like 
2000s. Oh, did they? Yeah, it was like $12. It was so good. I don't know if they still make it, but it was really good. We're going to keep talking. I know. Okay. Okay. So. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Part of the prosperity was due to an interview she did on uh, on 60 Minutes in 1979. Okay. Salespeople showed women how to use the cosmetics using techniques claimed by her as truly unique. Within the first few months, her sales peaked to 34000 and her annual income was 800000 Some of her famous quotes, she has a lot of like okay. quotes to inspire businesswomen. Uh, she says, I created this company for you. She said, at Mary Kay, you are in business for yourself, but not by yourself. And she also said, and I say this to my clients all day long, fake it till you make it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Is is that a direct quote? It is a direct quote. I didn't know it was her, but it's true. If you do what I tell you to do and you use your muscles and you keep doing it and you don't know what I'm talking about, at some point you're going to get stronger. Okay. Uh, So she became a millionaire. Mm-hmm. So, that is what you find out about her when you research her. You okay. don't find anything out that's pretty much Ooh, you it. got some tea to spill, girl. But then I listened mm-hmm. to this podcast, and then I researched some more about MLMs, multi-level marketing companies. Yes, yes. There are 500 billion out there. Mm-hmm. There are not. But if you are <laughs> unsure, it's a quick PSA. If someone says, hey, want to be in business for yourself? Yeah. Google MLMs. There is a list of MLMs out there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about MLMs okay. for just one moment. Okay. Uh, she became a millionaire, but how did she do that? It's a pyramid it's scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. It's yeah. a pyramid scheme. Okay, so all you find are this woman who's given women empowerment. She's stealing their money. She took their money and got super, super rich. Okay, so pyramid schemes, I know you guys, pyramid schemes are illegal. I would never do something that's illegal. Right. Right. They are illegal. So here's what they are. They're a legal pyramid scheme. Why? Because, okay, so I'm going to give a little little history. I'm skipping around because I wanted to say one thing, but I think I was wrong. So a little history. There was a lawsuit in 1974 for a for an MLM called Holiday Magic, and they were found guilty. Okay. And they thought, okay, this scam cannot work. It can't be a closed sale. Like you can't just no. You have sell to always add people to it to yeah. your own people. If you're mostly making money off of recruiting people instead of selling to people who are buying, then you are in something illegal okay but then amway was taken to trial they had so many heavy hitters on their board like at political powerful political people on their board mm-hmm. surprise it's republicans <laughs> um uh not that democrats were helpful. no because i was gonna say we're not no. gonna blame that all on no, the no, republicans no we're not no. that's Said, people, Everybody's getting money people rich off who of are like schemes. who are in charge of multi-level marketing. Yes. they still like Republicans in office, oh. so they still back them because they find that they're more in line with their ideals than Democrats. Their are. policies, right? Okay. So under Republicans, I think like since the big orange was put in, no one's been convicted of anything because he stands up for two of them. 
two then he have his own? He had his own. The state telephones that have your picture on. Like you've never what? Yes, and it's still in business. <laughs> I forgot what it's called. But it's like a landline with a picture. Y'all, I'm holding up my phone here. Everyone, okay. So. When was it started? In nineteen eighty. Oh, his was started in like two thousand and five. Like what? it's some bullshit. But people look at Trump and think, oh, business. Oh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. before. He's selling a brand, yeah. Right. So Amway won. Oh. It's a long story. Guys, listen to this podcast. But Amway won. Really? That paved the way for all the MLMs to go unscathed. So. And this was what year that they won? Oh, I forget. Okay. 80s. Okay. Yeah, something like that. There were two scientific studies done recently by academics who wanted to know uh, the true failure rate of distributors involved in an MLM. Um, and an MLM is a multi- multi, multi-level marketing company. Okay. So Robert Fitzpatrick and Tom, my handwriting <laughs> once again, John Taylor, totally separate studies, uh, did, went to test this. Over 99% of distributors lose money. 99%. I didn't think it was that bad. I have been approached several times. Yeah, yeah. I know friends who are, I think, quit jobs. They should never have quit. Um, yeah, if you're going to do this, this is a side hustle. (laughs) I mean, right. And the, in, in the podcast, um, there's, there's, they have an interview with this guy and his defense, even he's defending. 99%? And he says at one point, it's not a job. It's a thing you do. But that's not how they sell it. No, no, Mary yeah. Kay yeah, yeah, yeah. was yeah. empowering women yep. to take control of their lives yep. and be their own woman and their own businesswoman. Hashtag girl boss. Yep. She took advantage of that. She also took advantage of Christian women who wanted mm. to stay home. The idea, right. especially back in the day, a good yeah. Christian mother stays home, rears her, her children. Yeah. Do you want to make some money on the side? Because yeah. it's stressful to fight with your husband, right? Because God first, then family, then your business, yeah. right? So that's manipulative. Yeah, and you could shit. just have some pocket change so you don't have to ask your right, husband. Right, right. Okay, so. Um, wow. The, You're going deep, girl. I'm, go, I'm, I'm mad. Because um, <laughs> you're like, uh, I could have been one of these women. The, the argument, right. I mean, yeah. I've pushed off. It was enough for me to be like, yeah. Part of it is that. I wanted to be an actress since as a very young age. And you mm-hmm. learn early on, like, you don't pay for an agent. Mm-hmm. Right, you, right, you, you right, right. You don't have to pay for headshots. That yep. is real. Yeah. You learn what's real and what's, what's not, not real. Right, right, And so I've always been skeptical. And so if someone says you want to go into business, it's only $100. Oh, that's true. You shouldn't have to pay for money for anything yeah, up front, right? That's true. But I, that's my story. That's, I had to, I, because of what I did. What if I wasn't doing that? So, okay. I want to read something to you. Okay. <laughs> you are fired up. I'm fired up. <laughs> um, so they they basically are like, the 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 argument is that they're, they defend the statistic by saying that most people don't really want to make money anyways, but that's not, so many people are there to, to, to help a sick kid. Oh my God. Like they're there for real, real reasons. Now. Yeah. They're saying that the reason the people are failing at that high percentage right. just because they're not working. They're not You're working not, the system exactly. hard enough to be successful. They blame the distributors and yeah. the fact and that they should do more. The pink Cadillac owners probably made about $30,000 a year. 
No. Mm-hmm. They made it seem like, and it's embarrassing to say that they're not successful. Right. So they, nobody ever argued it. And also, um, if somebody's like. That doesn't include expenses. That doesn't so, include expenses. So it might be. 10,000, maybe. So, and the people that they did get, it's like, it's like free branding for them. Yeah, like, it's they branding. Give up, yeah. It's point, and the people who get it, 0.2% of the company. Wow. 0.2%. Okay, so I'm going to read this email. I decided that I didn't want to write this whole email down. Okay. So let's see if my phone works. Now, it, you know, it's so, because it's so interesting that you say that, like, because what a lot of people don't realize is that a pyramid scheme in this kind of product thing is that you, re- okay, so somebody recruits you. So every sale that you make, they make a percentage yep. off of that. And then whoever you, if you recruit four people, you make a percentage off of everything that they sell. Right. Plus what you sell, but then the person above you makes a percentage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah. I mean, I, they keep saying it's not a pyramid scheme, but how else would you draw this picture? Yeah. Um, so, so this is, okay, so I found something called pinktruth.com, okay. which is X Mary K people. Ooh. So if you want to like go down a rabbit hole, it's kind of fun. Um, and okay. some people are like, stop it. I love Mary Kay. Leave me alone. I do. I like their products and too. I've, I've, you can buy them in Target now. Yeah, though. I know. Like yeah. I've, I've, ha- I've had some things from They Mary have pretty Kay. good products. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't know why yeah. they keep doing this whole like direct sales shit yeah. because it's you're stealing it's money a, from it's women. the original brand it's the original brand but it's also like that's probably where they make a lot of their money oh, yeah, you're right. okay so this is like god first then family then bull fucking shit so okay. one of the other ways that they get their money uh-huh is seminars or uh big yearly annual uh conventions yeah, right yeah, yeah. that they cost you know five hundred dollars to go to the convention i'm making that number up maybe yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. that much yeah. or maybe it's more i'm not sure but then you have to fly there then you have to get a hotel yeah. room then you have to eat yeah. then they have these you know like uh come to this women's thing it's 25 dollars. Yeah, like yeah, while yeah. you're there for extra things and they say if you don't go to seminar if you don't go to then you're not really trying yeah, and you're if not you fail that's your Why? fault right mm-hmm. so i'm going to read you this email that they got someone posted it on pinktruth.com you have exactly 31 days left in this seminar year. Let's face it, this is the last mile of a very long marathon year. This is where you either get real and get serious or you spend the next year consoling yourself and justifying why you, quote, couldn't, unquote, make it happen. And I know you don't want to live with that kind of regret. To get it done, you need to focus on only two things, selling product, recruiting consultants. They're not even pretending. When you focus on a specific thing, it means you do not focus on anything else. You table, postpone, decline, or delegate anything that isn't directly involved with selling product and recruiting consultants. So God and family is first? Huh, interesting. For the next 31 days, anytime you are not talking to a woman you don't already know, you are letting something else decide your destiny. Be absolutely downright unreasonable about winning in a big way. This is the time to play full out unreasonable uh-huh to, to uh capitalized you and capitalized n unreasonable about winning in a big way your attitude is a choice your behavior is a choice if just for these next 31 days choose that full force give me more can't touch this 
Thank you, MC Hammer. They stole from MC Hammer. <laughs> you so need to meet me attitude that you've always wanted to have. This last month may mean the difference between winning a car or not, between going on the trip or not, or between finally becoming a national or not. You can do this. Don't let anything get in your way. I mean, okay, I'm not going to keep going. But So this is an internal email this that is an one of the internal former... email that a, a yeah. former... Um, Spokes... Uh, sp- rep. Rep. Yeah. Put on there, like... This wow. is some bullshit. So I, and we thought she, car salesman, car sales, right? And it's so interesting because like we, I talk about sales a lot because like tech, like I've been told like technically I'm considered sales for my job. I teach Pilates, and right. I remember talking to my old boss, and I was like, no, no, I can't. So she's like, you do because you love what you do, you believe right. what you do, you study what you do, and you learn more, and then you share that, and people appreciate it and they pay for it. Yeah. So like. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with asking people to pay. Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with asking people to pay, but it's like they're being manipulative too. They're putting all this pressure on the people who just want to make some extra side money. Exactly, and there's no way to succeed. The Mm. the that that's the thing that's crazy, is that you and there's there's they're doing this. There's, in the, this podcast, there's like an anti-pyramid scheme legislation out there that's yeah. actually pro-pyramid scheme legislation. Now, my question to you, though, do you think Mary Kay knew Absolutely. that it was a, par- 100%, a pyramid scheme? A hundred percent. Really? A hundred percent. Because she recruited. She and recruited. she's making that money. Wow. And she knows how much you have to... She, You get an email, you have to just... You know, and the thing, that the way that they get you is it's $160. Yeah, my my aunt used to sell it. I used to buy my stuff from her. I mean, I used to, uh, a friend of mine a hundred years ago sold Avon. Yeah. Oh, no, my aunt used to sell Avon, excuse me. Avon has some nice things. No, Avon and Mary Kay, they both have nice things. I remember this, like, cashmere, like... Somebody somebody sold Mary Kay, because I I definitely bought the cleanser. I remember, I was like, oh, this is really nice. I was surprised at how good it was. No, it's, I mean, some of it's bullshit. Yeah. But it doesn't, like, the point is, like, the, the, the product itself is not in question right necessarily it might right. be it's the structure of like, the company I know, yeah i know people who do like oils and i know i have a friend who does like isogenics and yeah. she's like i remember talking to her about it she's like i'm just i like the stuff right and i'm getting it yeah. for me if you want some i can order it i'll tell you how much but she's like i know some people who are like just doing it that's how my avon she's like you yeah. can just get it yeah this is you nobody ever those friends didn't try to recruit me both. I was tried. I was some acquaintance of a friend recently tried to recruit my husband. Yeah. And it's always weird me? when somebody tries to recruit you. Cause you're like, I, you, you know, as someone who's, been in the entertainment industry and we do a lot of things we're like i have too much shit to do now yeah, i cannot like, add some, you unless so now you're saying i have to go out and re- i have to recruit like yeah. five or ten other people and that's that's Ain't like, nobody got time for that. i was like and it was like sight unseen like you never met my husband also really like <laughs> but see but then they're feeling the pressure could, yeah. from inside mm-hmm. the company to have the certain amount of numbers every month yeah and i was funny yeah. too because he was like i was like how much money i mean my husband is a father of our two children yeah. like we live yeah. you're seriously suggesting <laughs> are you fucking shitting me like 
you know what I mean? And I didn't say that to him, but, and then he did like his little, hi, I'm just following up with our conversation. I'm like, people don't do that. Yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. a thing you do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to text you later about me. Like, I'm just following up our conversation. But you know what's so sad is that there's some people who are desperate to make money. That's what kills me. Is and... that if only they found a coffee shop yeah. that they could work at when their kids are in school, they would actually make. Yeah. Twelve dollars, yeah. but they sell this job. They sell the dream that the dream that they could actually make two thousand dollars a month. Yeah, you know, just and making your own hours, yeah. and that's if they had not wasted their time and their money. Yeah, they could have gotten a little tiny side job yeah. and made a little tiny bit of extra money. Well, because it's not you know? sustainable. Exactly. Like you know, they can recruit so many people, and then other people are like, "This is bullshit." Because then they have to right. go out and recruit people in order to, because you're getting a piece of their pot. It's just a, it's a pyramid scheme, and it yeah. That's a, interesting, but yeah. it's a pyramid scheme that's been going on for how for long? so long, and it's getting away with it. And it sounds to me, from what I have both read... I and allegedly, down, it's a pyramid scheme. We should say that. Allegedly, it's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> yes. Please do not try and sue us, Mary Kay, because we ain't got no money. Don't sue us. No. <laughs> I mean, do you need to? You have a lot of money. I know. And the products and are again, good. Like, I'm, we're not, not, I'm not shitting on the product, but yeah, the products a business are really good. model yeah. that tells its... Uh, possible sales. It's, it's workforce. It's, it's workforce. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. And, and the fact that they don't... Look, if you get a job, you should be able to know what your income might be. Yes. And yes. what the job entails and if there are expenses. When I was hired in LA, quite often, hey, if you want to park here, there's this fee. Yeah. Right up I front... Mean, Listen, sales. You know, if you don't want to park, yeah. you can park somewhere else. You can take a train. You can do other things. And sales jobs are hard. Gyms are like that. You know, they they sign up all these people because yeah. they know that most people are not going to use but their gym it's, membership. It's true, <laughs> but it's legit. But it's legit. You it's get a, a gym membership. You can go. And yeah. these are the rules. And this is the situation. Yeah. And this is how much you pay. And it expires. And it expires. It expires. Yep. Yep. So. And that, but that's like that's the deal. Yeah, sales like, jobs are like, hard. I'm not yeah. like knocking. I'm not knocking actual sales jobs. Right, right. But I just think it's not fair. Like most of the people, the, the, and it's a lot of women, a lot yeah, of women who yeah. are who, who are needy, and a lot of women who are trying to do the right thing, Yeah, who are trying right. to stay home. They believe in homeschooling their children. They believe yeah. in, 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 in doing that. They have a right to do that. They have a right to also want to make a little income, and what pisses me off, like you said, is like these women who are like, well, I'm not hitting my goals, so it must be me. Exactly. And they always blame the... And the, you have enough pressure trying to raise kids because right? kids are enough to drive you insane. Like little I mean, babies. They're I mean, precious. Let me, let me tell you, you about my children. Them. I love them and, so know. much. So I understand that it is an MLM and it's technically not considered a pyramid scheme. Right. So I'm going to say that again because right. I don't want you to sue me. There's, right. You're not going to get much from me. It's like blood from a stone. But no, guys. I mean, but, even former you know, salespeople are saying that they have their own gripes. So. But I, I am reading a lot about both. I am sharing on this podcast the gripes that I have both read about and heard about. Is and, Tupperware the same? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You're like, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm like, I Because I'm thinking, like, is, Tup- is Tupperware still around? But here's the thing. Like, you... Like, that you buy, like... I don't think so. Because you go to Tupperware, you can get tu- Tupperware, There's like, no a Target Tupperware or anywhere. parties. Like, but they still do the parties for other oh. things. Like, you know, 
that's one of the things that they have you do, like have a makeup party, right. have a this. That's one of the expenses. And they'll say like, oh, it doesn't cost me anything. It does though. Because and like if, Mary Kay, it's a good product. Know, two, three bottles of wine. Exactly. It's a good like, product. Again, it's not the product. And that's part of why I think women get duped. Yeah. Is that it is a good product. Because you're like, yeah, this is real. Why like, wouldn't people, I get the, and then yeah. you just buy it from and me people and like it. the store. Yeah. And like I bought from a friend. The thing is that friend either made no money, made 25 cents. No. I mean, the thing, you get like maybe 1% of the people who do it that make real money. Yeah, yeah. And then the rest, some one of the, I mean... I District managers, yeah, yeah, you yeah. We can I go mean? on. Like, my mean, mother had a similar job when I was growing up. So, oh, really? Yeah, like I'm oh. not gonna, I'm not gonna, even, I'm not gonna say the name of the organization so, <laughs> and like, but I know the pressure of which yeah. you speak because I, I watch her go through it. I just think it's not fair. Like, I, I, I just I've seen a fair amount, and now that I like listen to the podcast and then I did more research. Yeah, I, I. I think it needs to be more of a conversation. Anything we need to Just talk beware. about and it. And now that we and, have the internet, and people you literally know. can Google is yeah. this an Amazon? I have been since I've discovered this. I keep thinking of companies and googling is this an MLM? I know. And you can literally Google is blah 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 an MLM? Oh wow! And it'll tell you. But you know what? It's like I mean, in their defense, I'm gonna play devil's advocate. It's. And that's probably how they justify in their minds is more than just about making money because some women, yes. uh, I'm from a, you know, I'm from a Southern state and like small community. And like, sometimes a woman just needs to have purpose in and, her life. And a lot of times that's what it was. The, the but parties, you need to be given that information up front. Yes. You have to think you're going to be rich. Know what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. That there was an element of like the parties were fun. It was a right. great excuse to get together yeah, with the ladies. And, and not feel bad or that you were wasting time right. and money. No, no, no. This is, I might make some money off right. of this. You know what I mean? And that there's, there that's totally valid, but you have to be upfront. You're, yeah. the odds are less than 1% right. that you're going to make money. Right. And that's, that's what it is. Hmm. It's okay. I oh tried to God. be an actress. My odds were low too. It was, it's two percent, right? Really. I mean, that's I amazing. No, that's so, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. That is so great. Please like, don't sue me. Yeah, don't sue um, us. Like this, we're just here to give people information, yeah. and like obviously we don't know all the intricacies of all of this stuff, but um, you know what we're saying is like just be upfront, do, like do you said, because there's a social element to these kinds yeah. of things, which my mother enjoyed. Like, yeah. we would get together and they'd have parties. They'd actually be playing I Want to Be Rich. At least it's crazy. Oh, my crazy. God. That's yeah, crazy. I, wow. So, like, like just, just I, I hate gonna, when I'm people bug you who about are, this later, by the way. I hate when people who are vulnerable yes. and who are in need of trying to make money yes. are preyed upon. That's and that, what we're Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not people who are like, oh, I want to do this so that I can take a vacation to Thailand. Oh, yeah. Or I'm bo- right, 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 right. Like, I just want to save it for a vacation to Thailand. Right. Like, then, you know, all right, well, that didn't work that's out. That's fine. Like, but I have a sick kid and yeah. we have doctor bills piling up. Yeah. That's no, yeah, no, it's not okay. Yeah, it's the same thing like you know, work from home scams or yep, make you know, twenty thousand dollars a month. There, there are some legitimate places, but then there are a lot of them that yeah. are scams. So yeah, exactly, and it's not we need to regulate. Yeah, exactly. There's, well, there's that liberal word again. I don't know. Um, uh, we're guilty as charged. All right, guys, that wraps right. it up for another episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Remember to follow us on all the things. 
Twitter, Facebook, NotoriousWMPod. Our Gmail is, our email is also a Gmail at NotoriousWMPod <laughs> at gmail.com. Instagram is Notorious Women Podcast. Our Patreon, we are going to uh, probably have that up next week. We're probably going to do like a phone thing where we talk about the fire yeah. festival or yeah, something. Yeah, and we'll yeah. put that up for uh, our patrons on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Notorious Women. Become a patron. You can give us $1,000. We mm-hmm. promise it's not a pyramid scheme. I swear. You can just give us one <laughs> you know, payment. You know my opinion on those Or you things. can give us as little as a dollar a month. But yeah. we, we appreciate all your support and keep listening. And go to iTunes and give us a review because we will read it on the podcast. Yay. Five stars. Right. That's right. Five stars. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.